Hey, Nora. Hey, Sandy. Guess what? Oh, what? Well, a few things. One, I cut my hair off. Whoa, (laughs) wow. Considering how visual this podcast is, that's a big deal. Yeah, I know, right? It's, uh, it feels good. It feels good. Guess what? Number two. Mm, What? I got my bivalent booster. I thought you got that last week. No, that was the flu shot, Nora. Oh, Keep up with the times. Right. Okay, Guess nice. what number three? Mm, okay, hair, medicine, uh, let's say something about your toes. What? No, I made beef bourguignon. Oh, that's nice. I love making beef bourguignon. It's one of my favorite things to make. and But I only make it really once a year, and it signifies the end of the year. So guess what number three is? Uh, it's our last show. It's our last it's show. It's our last show for the year. I know. I know. It's our last show. So, I mean, let's try to make this a cuddly little look back of like a warm bowl of stew like I've been eating because <laughs> it's delicious. And just kind of do a little bit of an overview of what happened this year, this episode. What do you think? Well, I love that idea. And I love that you talked about what you've been cooking and how it puts you right into the end of year spirit. I smell like oil. <laughs> I did cooking latkes all night uh, and then ate them all. Oh, I love latkes. Yes, 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 yes. So that is there's very few things that definitely put me in the mood of either if we're not at the end of the year, we're getting to the end of the year. This year we are at the end of the year. So I love it. I love that idea. And I, I have other things to mention as well. Did you see Slate this last week? <laughs> I saw it because you tagged me in it in Facebook. What is going on at Slate? Tell the people, Nora. Tell the people what Slate I mean, thinks of us. <laughs> Well, somehow, like, so Sandy Nora, the the show doesn't get a ton of attention in mainstream media in Canada. In fact, I think the only time we ever did was thanks to the Vancouver Podcast Festival that had us as a headlining show, which was, of course, during the pandemic, uh, the earlier days of the pandemic. And so we did an online show for them, which was fun, but it was, you know, not a live show. And since there's been pretty much nothing. So I was scrolling, kind of waiting. My last week's been full of waiting for stuff. So I've been in this like perpetual, like waiting kind of holding pattern. And I see our faces come across my feet from Slate. It looks like uh, <laughs> we, we got, got, got picked as uh, one of the best chit-chatty podcasts uh, from, uh, of 2022. Wow. I mean, that's pretty, that feels pretty special. And it feels like a good way... Uh, to end the year because, you know, um, to stay on this kind of cooking theme, I kind of feel like we're cooking up something here in our little chit chattiness uh, <laughs> with all of the wonderful people who have become a part of this sort of Sandy and Nora community. And I love that. I like what we're um, what we're creating together. I love seeing you all at the live shows that we've finally been able to get back to doing this year. And I don't know, I, it feels nice to have someone, you know, take a bite and say, hmm, that was good. There was some, <laughs> some deliciousness in there. 
Yeah, and I also just want to mention like the 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 reason why. Well, first of all, shout out to the journalist who who wrote this, which was amazing. Uh, their name is Nitish Pawa, and the comments were that the show is very personable, and people listen and feel like we're hanging out and we're all friends. And I mean, I feel like that too. That's uh, that's that's why uh, I do this show, and so that level of intimacy and relationship, like. It's 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 difficult when we can't get out there to meet you folks and hang out and actually be those real life friends. But until we can do that, if we can offer friendship and solidarity through the airwaves, um, I mean, that's just amazing. It's just amazing. It is. It is. So thank you to all of you who are on this journey with us uh, and who have some nice things to say. And speaking of nice things to say. We've been running a contest. As we mentioned before, we're giving away six books, three books that is um, by Nora Loretto, which is uh, Spin Doctors, and three books uh, uh, that are uh, Until We Are Free, Black Lives Matter in Canada, by myself, Cyrus Marcus Ware, and Rodney Deverlis. And I think, I think Nora, you're going you're gonna to choose some winners tonight. Yeah. That's right. I just before the show, I mean, folks may know or may, maybe you don't know, but Sandy and I do no preparatory work um, what, whatsoever <laughs> when it goes to this podcast. <laughs> um, and, and so um, I had to do a little bit of preparatory work to be able to have um, everyone's names. So um, I don't know if you can hear this. That's everyone's uh, names. Barely. All right. Something going on there. Yeah, it's like it's paper. There's nothing. Okay. And I, it's like I hit the microphone. So there it is. You, you heard me hit the microphone. I'm I'm shuffling my little paper here. I'm not uh, I'm, I'm not looking at the shuffling. Um, I'm going to put it all into a little pile. I haven't dropped anybody's. Oh, I did drop one person. <laughs> okay, you're back in the pile there. Okay, back to not looking and shuffling. Okay, Sandy, I'm ready. Are you ready? I have been ready. Okay. Amazing. So winner number one, Jesslyn. Congratulations, Jesslyn. Jesslyn's favorite episode was Hurt versus Harm. And they thought it was so important we find common ground with others so we can have larger impacts to mobilize better on the left. We need to approach folks with forgiveness and understanding if we want to build better communities. That is so, 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 so true. So thank you so much for your entry and congratulations. Congrats. Okay, who's next? Okay, next up is Andrew. Andrew's favorite episode was an atomized, individualized left. Andrew was born in the 80s, so neoliberalism is all Andrew has known, but it was invisible to Andrew until they heard the episode. Your analysis made me rethink so many things about how politics works and how I interact with it, said Andrew. Keep up the good work. Aw, that's so sweet. Thanks, Andrew, and congratulations. Okay, number three. Um, Kelsey. Kelsey's favorite episode was Freedom of Speech for Who. They said, it's an issue I thought of purely American and didn't really consider otherwise. I really appreciate both of your opinions, and I often think more about issues and research them and change perspective due to you guys and some nice little happy faces. So thank you so much for listening, Kelsey, and congrats. All right, next up, Rose. Rose. Rose says, um, 
some very lovely things about me and you, Nora. I'll read that to you later. <laughs> but Rose's favorite episode is episode 202. Telecomageddon was one of my favorites because it was one of the first episodes that Rose listened to. Uh, and any episode where we discuss the handful of white billionaires who control the various aspects of our country are Rose's favorites. Rose says that we are awesome and that Rose uh, has told everyone about us and that we should run the world. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know about that. It would definitely be more musical, though. Oh, my God. Telecomageddon was such a great title (laughs) for an episode. Yes. I mean, congrats to that alone. Thanks for bringing that back, Rose. And congratulations. Enjoy your book. (laughs) Okay. The next winner is Kaylee. Kaylee, um, Kaylee and I actually got to meet, uh, which was pretty cool. And she'd never heard of the podcast before we met. We met uh, at a conference that I organized in New York City back in September. And so a lot of Kaylee's response um, to what is your favorite episode was referencing the conference and the time that we'd spent together, which was pretty fun and pretty neat. Um, Kaylee's an amazing activist, a union activist, uh, who's going to be changing some seriously important things for workers in Ontario. Her favorite episode was White Supremacist Serial Killer. It's just not national news. This, of course, was a very recent episode. I believe it was the episode um, that we did just two weeks ago. Um, Kaylee said, it got me so passionate that I took to Facebook to rant. I often refer to your podcast when I'm speaking to others about current issues. Listening to podcasts has definitely boosted my confidence when participating in important conversations about politics and the labor movement. So congratulations, Kaylee. And hopefully um, you like uh, the book that's coming your way. All right, and the final person is Keenan. Keenan says the trouble with mutual aid was their favorite episode. This is one of my favorites too. It reminded me a lot of the leftish organizing in the city I live in. I understand why people fall into this type of organizing because it feels like you're doing something and it can help with immediate needs, but it also tends to avoid the challenging power side of things. Love the show. Thanks so much. All right, Keenan, that's one of my favorites too. And congratulations. Thanks for letting us know. Yeah. And so th- everybody that entered, thank you so much. Sorry if you didn't win, but, um, you know, we do other things too. So stay, stay, stay tuned and we'll find other ways hopefully to get you, get you something sweet. One of the things that I love about this contest is that everybody's favorite episode is different. And considering that we're going to be looking back, like it's also been really great to see, everybody have different opinions on the on the episodes that touch them the most and um now i have like lots of ideas on what we're going to talk about tonight yeah um and in the spirit of continuing to be grateful there's one person to thank tonight uh for their uh donation or change in donation on Uh, Patreon, which is Sarah. Thank you so much. And also just thank you to all of you who helped to continue this, um, uh, to help us continue making this podcast real and allowing us to travel to you and meet you. It's been really wonderful to have such support from you folks. And yeah, I mean, this year we tried something new. We tried some ads to see if that could also help us get to you. (laughs) to try to see if that could also help us get to you help us to to fund some live shows and as we told you it was an experiment and Nora what are the results of the experiment (laughs) well 
Um, let's just say that for all of the time that you folks spend listening to ads, we're not compensated really for that. Um, we were hoping that it would no. take some of the pressure off of individual donations so that we didn't, we weren't so reliant on people being able to donate, knowing that, you know, finances are tight and, you know, you're being pulled in a lot of different directions. There's a lot of really great content out there that really needs money. Um, but sadly, it's kind of, it seems like it's like really win for the advertisers and like not really win for us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so you heard it here, folks, first. Why did I just say that? You heard it here first, folks. Um, next year will be an ad free for everyone, Sandy and Nora. We're turning off the ads. It just doesn't make sense for us. Yep. And that means that if you've been cursing us over the Patreon uploads, this is part of why it doesn't make sense for us. We're sorry. And we're glad to have you back on the main feed. Yes. Okay. One other big announcement in the new year. I don't know about you, Sandy, but I just feel like I feel like we could do more. <laughs> That's such a ridiculous kind of feeling to have because we're like very busy people. But I feel I feel like we could do more. I know. <laughs> As, mm, uh -huh. Uh -huh. I mean, that would be a good place for you to say, speak for yourself, Nora. And I'd be like, OK. I think I said that, um, but in tongues just now. <laughs> <laughs> OK, so coming in the new year. Uh, and and maybe even tested this week, um, but it won't be until you've heard this episode. So if you do hear a couple of tests this week, that's what this is. We are going to bring you daily headlines, four news stories or five news stories that you need to keep your eye on that day. It's not going to go longer than 10 minutes. It's going to be through the Sandy Nora feed. It will be named differently so that you can still make sure that you're catching Sandy Nora if you did want to ignore the daily morning news updates. But we thought... It would be a good idea to just give you an idea of what's going on in the world. Like the, the most common question that we are asked is, where do you get your news? And the answer is we get it where everyone gets their news. But sometimes you don't necessarily know what the big news of the day might be. And so first thing in the morning, I mean, it's not gonna be first, first thing in the morning because I'm producing it in the morning, but you will get access to a daily news roundup every morning of the weekday if we're available. If we're not available, we'll just be like, oh, nothing for tomorrow. <laughs> and hopefully it'll help you start your day off right. I've already made the intro music and it's it's a it's a banger. <laughs> it's fucking awesome. Uh, I'm excited to listen to that. I love listening to like daily news podcasts, so I'm going to be very excited to listen to you give me the news, Nara. Yeah, I am too. So as I say, if you hear it before 2023, it's because we're testing it. And if uh, you don't, it's because we, we didn't test it. Now we are, we're taking time off. So uh, expect to hear something the first full week of January, even though Sandy Nora will still be off, you'll get the daily news uh, updates um, in advance. If you have feedback about this, if there's some reason for this, like that's super bad, or you want us to think about something, or you're not sure this is a good idea, uh, definitely be in touch with us. Like, cause this is an experiment. Um, I, we think it's a cooler experiment than the ad experiment, <laughs> but, um, definitely we want to hear from you. And if there's, if, if we're not thinking of something that, that you think we need to think of, like be in touch with us and say, Oh, that sounds kind of interesting, but did you think of this? And, uh, we'll work through that. So, Stay tuned for that. All right. So let's look back through the year. Nora, when you look back on 2022, what is like, what's the general feel? What's something that sticks out to you? What are you thinking about? What is the lesson from this year for you? 
Mm. The thing I, I think the most about is how, you know, last year at this time, Omicron was surging. We are in this in this situation where people were on the cusp of either getting or having just had or or just avoiding Delta and about to just get Omicron. And it, it, the two viruses were interacted with extremely differently by governments, right? One was much more normal in the context of how we had been interacting with COVID. And the other one posed a radical departure from the way that we were interacting with COVID, which was basically let a rip, which is <laughs> what 2022 was. But I, I was I did a talk around April, I think, in 2022 uh, for some students at Queen's University. And one of the questions was, when you were writing Spin Doctors, the book that I wrote about uh, about COVID, what's something that you would have changed? And it's a hard question because like, I've never gone back and read the book, so and I'm not going to. <laughs> so it's like, I'm not sure. But I do remember very distinctly thinking, I should have foreseen a war as being the way to kickstart Western economies again for having taken such a dive during the pandemic. And for me, I think that interaction between pandemic management or mismanagement and then marching to war uh, or, or proxy war, whatever, like whatever, you, however you want to characterize that, that has been for, for me, like the biggest thing that I've taken for 2022. And like just this past week, um, these issues for me all collided with like, I, I hate cars. I fucking hate cars so fucking much. If you're in a car right now, it's like, that's cool. I don't hate you, but I definitely hate the, like the car that you're driving. And um, in Montreal, a little girl was hit by a car and killed as she was walking mm-hmm. to school um, in the mm-hmm. Ville Marie And it turns out she's a seven year old refugee from Ukraine. And so it's just like all of the ways that we lie about ourselves. We welcome refugees. We're great. We are, we're, we're welcoming white refugees while making extremely hard for black refugees or race, otherwise racialized refugees to come to Canada. I mean, everything, everything, everything. And I think that the war, uh, the way that we as Canadians have, have our government, not as Canadians ourselves, have interacted with um, the war and the kind of shifting global poles. That's that's really what what stands out for me. What about you? Huh, that's a good one. Um, mine is mine is definitely different, although that's a really, really good contemplation that I'll be thinking about for some time, for sure. For me, when I look back on this year, what really stands out for me is that I've been thinking a lot about how neoliberalism and individuality, um, individualism, individualism has really um, hurt our organizing spaces, has like infected organizing and has hurt... Um, the way we think about organizing. I've, I feel like I, uh, throughout this year on the podcast, I've been talking about it a lot and the way that it manifests in how we present ourselves and perform ourselves online and what that has done to um, how we think about uh, organizing principles and how we think about ourselves in relation to other people, how we think about ourselves uh, as uh, communities and also what we prioritize when it comes to organizing with one another uh, to, to, change, to change some really awful ways that our systems are, are built to, to exploit us. And um, that, to me, is so important and such an important lesson and something I'll be thinking about for a really long time because I don't know that there are a lot of voices who are really confronting this in a way that it needs to be confronted. I think that it's um, really transforming uh, the way that the left looks 
um, to be really not so much left anymore. And uh, that's a bit of a, a scary thing. And we should really be thinking about that. I mean, I've been I mean, you know this, Nora, but uh, I haven't spoken about this like on the podcast or even really publicly. But one of the ways that it manifests this year that I noticed um, big time and haven't really been able to figure out a way to talk about is in the way that individualism has permeated the politics of identity um, to the point where sometimes uh, the politics of identity are is being employed to to really harm progressive organizing, to harm people coming together to organize against um, against these really exploitative systems. And it's all in the advancement of like us at like of, of, of our egos as us as individual beings, which, Gosh, we know that we're not like, you know, the pandemic taught us, if not anything, everything else um, in the way that we are, uh, we live in relation to one another. So that's the big thing for me is um, the power of a neoliberalism and how powerful it has become in in this particular digital age, uh, so much so that it is it's it's really um, destroying uh you know, progressive movements in a way that it seems like a lot of progressive movements are either um, unaware of or willing to, to to let happen, perhaps because we don't have the rigor to be um, to be vigilant against this this sort of uh, neoliberal these sort of neoliberal attacks. So that's it for me. Wow, wow! And while while you're talking, like I'm. I, I think about this all the time, as you know, and I'm wondering, like, do you think that in 2022 there was a moment or a tendency or a new technology or something that made it particularly worse in 2022? Or do you think that that it became more exposed because we had this like two years of pause on left wing organizing because of the pandemic that that as things opened up and loosened up or whatever, that 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 we finally saw like the trajectory of where we've been on in the last couple of years? I'm not sure it's quite that simple in my mind. I'd have to think about it a little bit more. But there are two things that really make it plain as day for me. I mean, well. There's more than two, but there's two that that um, stick out for me. One is just the convoy and how we talked about the convoy, how we were able to talk about the convoy, mm. how we weren't able to talk about the convoy and masks, how we were able to talk about masks, how we were not able to talk about masks and uh, what those two things together uh, represented on the left and where it became like absurd, like all of a sudden it, it becomes like this individual identity thing. Like you're, you're, you're telling people about what your values are instead of trying to figure out what we can do, how we can work together as like, um, you know, uh, people who have power in numbers to make, uh, life safe for people in general. It's like it got down to this like individual expression of I wear a mask, which is like, oh my God, <laughs> what's happening here? And then the other moment uh, or kind of moment, I suppose, is the is the reaction to whatever's happening at Twitter. 
like the, right. the, 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 the like the real reliance that people have on on Twitter on on again you know I've said it so many times on this like private corporate like I mean I hope it's really clear to people that this was never a public square now I mean we're recording this a day after I think Elon Musk has now um has banned a bunch of journalists who uh, were criticizing him and perhaps brought them back already. I'm not sure. And has also announced that he's uh, banning um, other social media platforms from the site. It's just like, you know, the absurdity continues, but the, the reaction to it, the reaction to that absurdity and how, how much people think that uh, Twitter is this like super important, you know, bastion of, of free speech that's the way that we can organize together blah 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 like is another big moment um that that tells me that we've lost something because it is it's like a place for sure you can absolutely make some connections but it's highly highly limited and it is really a place about individualism it's like the the individual express expression of of oneself and so I don't know, like those two things are, are the things that really stick out on my mind for it. I'm not sure if it is like a new technology or a, or a result of the pandemic or whatever. I'm sure the pandemic had something to do with it. I'll have to think about it a bit more. And I'm sure you're doing a lot more thinking about it than I am. But but those are the two moments that really that really like solidify that in my mind is what 2022, when I look back, that's what I took take away. Wow. Yeah. Like when, when I ask if, if there was a, a technology or something that, that made you think of it, I, I, I do appreciate you talking about like new Twitter and just how, how all of it is, 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 is so easily collapsible and so fleeting and any, anyone that has been consistently suspended or has, you know, been mobbed or anything like this, like, like we know <laughs> there's nothing, I'm watching all of this with a bit of detachment, even though um, I'm someone that uses Twitter a lot and that I would miss it. But I, I frankly don't, I wouldn't lose much sleep over losing my entire fucking decade and plus of my Twitter archive because it's like, who fucking cares? Like at some level, it's useful to have all the stuff from everybody in the, in the history and, you know, the fact that Musk is able to do this is, is, is very um, damning of the system. But on the other hand, it's like, yeah, fuck, what do you expect? It's Twitter. But I actually think that, that TikTok is a really interesting place where we can see how activists are interacting with it. I know a lot of activists have gone to TikTok and uh, find it to be very useful to spread, um, you know, videos about left-wing ideas or whatever. And I'm kind of struck by like how intensely performative it is. And then then, of course, that I find myself saying, but all of this is intensely performative. I mean, every single thing we do is to perform for other people, to perform for reactions and likes and, and followers and this kind of thing. That's literally why we're on these platforms, unless you're a lurker, which is, I mean, just a different kind of way to use these platforms is probably a healthier way <laughs> to use these platforms. So how I use all the lurkers now. Hey, yeah, yeah. Very good. My very peoples. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, these like like people like on the left, there has been a critique of performative 
behavior for for very good reason. Um, when you've got someone that's just doing something because it looks like that's something they have to do, or they understand that it's like the thing to do, so they're doing it. Right? We would we were we would call that performative. But but all of these platforms demand performance all the time. They demand that we are pithy and we are succinct and we are um, putting on the best filter or the best lighting or the best angle of our face and we are performing. And the problem with performing politics is, um, you know, the, the way that we would pejoratively use performativity is not the same kind of performance that people are putting on every time that they go on to social media. But it, it's very connected because it's like, you, you, you cannot perform your politics to change the world. Like, you know, it isn't just by doing things or by telling someone about the things that you do that you're going to change the world. It's by actually doing those things with people to change something. Like, you have to be engaged in some sort of str struggle that is collective. And that struggle could be big, it could be small, but it, it has to be physical and real. But when, when you are isolated online and you are performing a politic that's the, that's 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 as individualistic as it gets like even if you were in a collective that was like doing i don't know tiktok responses to one, to, to each other to build off each other's knowledge it's like there's still it, it's still intensely individualistic and it you know i think i think to the idea that like if if the medium is individualistic if it's capitalistic if it's making money off of our content if we are literally the content of these platforms you know, then then it will it will extract from us stuff that is not actually in the interest of the movement. And I, I think about this all the time because I'm always worried about whether, like, am I falling into this trap? Of course, like, and I, I'm sure I, I do fall into this trap all the time. Although I, I, I don't I don't think I could do TikTok, <laughs> which is why I'm not even going to try. <laughs> so, so, you know, when we look forward to 2023, like I don't have a lot of hope because I think that a lot of left-wing people don't see any other option than to, to, to maybe go and start to cre create this kind of content. And, and I don't want to, I mean, if you're doing that, like, I'm not saying you're a bad person. I'm not saying your content sucks. I'm not saying you shouldn't do it, but I do think that we have to have like, like a hundred eyes open <laughs> every one of us on what these platforms are doing, what they're extracting from us and the way that they transform what we understand to be activism and solidarity, because at the end of the day, um, like they're just sandcastles. Yeah. And it really does change the motivation behind things. I think for a lot of people, I think that, you know, in a pre-Twitter universe of organizing, which Nora, you and I are very, very familiar with, um, there was like a certain I don't give a fuckness um, that came with trying to shift the way that the world worked. It, there was mm, a certain yeah. way that you knew that people were going to hate you for it. And it didn't matter. Like, you know, like it was fine to be that annoying person who showed up to whatever fucking, you know, um, city council meeting with, you know, like 10 other people every single time because that was yelled at, that people hated, whatever. That was fine because <laughs> you knew that that was part of the work, that was part of the job was like none of this stuff is going to be popular to the people in power who are, who are planning all of this stuff. Like, so you expect to be unpopular, but the, the motivation now is like, 
there is an extra piece of motivation when you know that you might get followed by trolls for days and you like can't log off because we're all like cyborgs now. So you're like addicted to your phone. And I don't mean that pejoratively. I mean that like really like even though I'm not on Twitter, I'm like on Twitter like all the time. Like <laughs> I check it all the time. Like we it's like we can't get away from these things. And so we you know, it, it becomes a part of the motivation is like avoiding being hated and saying the right things that you're loved from the right spaces. But even that is all, it's all bullshit and fluff and individualist, right? Like who, like I'm, who cares about me in this? If we're trying to change a system, it should be like us all collectively working somehow within a collective at least towards something. And if people don't like it, it's just like, okay, well, is it principally sound? You, you, um, you know, investigate that, whether it's principally sound or not. If it is onward, motherfuckers, who gives a shit? Mm-hmm, <laughs> it's not. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Then you, you know, you go back to, to the drawing board and try to figure it out. But I think we've lost, you know, we've lost that piece, which is so important because so much of the motivation now is individual. If you want to be successful on TikTok in talking about progressive ideas, people need to like you. People need to share it. People, you need to end up on the For You page. I'm not on the TikTok, so I don't know how it works, but I hear that the For You page is really important. You know, like in order to end (laughs) up there, you have to be likable. Same thing with Instagram. If you want to end up on somebody's feed as one of the suggested posts, you have to be likable. You have to be using the right format. You can't, it's like reels are more important now than than um, just a simple photo box, which means that it's going to have to feature you. It has to feature you as an individual. All of a sudden, it becomes the individualism becomes really, really important. And and then you know, like that goes even farther into like, do you support this organization or that organization as an individual? Maybe that's too hard to do now online. People are no longer doing that as much, and now you're seeing things like you know, I know about this person who is down on their luck, please donate at this particular email, which is okay, a form of charity, a form of doing something um, for people in your community. But it is certainly not challenging power. And it is much easier. And a lot of people have fallen into doing things that way now, rather than struggling through organizations, because it's it's like too hard. Maybe they'll hate us if we're if we're associated with this sort of collective organizing. Let's just be individuals instead. And man, what a trip. What a trip. Because I mean, gosh, that's that's like the whole thing, isn't it? Like we're we're as leftist people, we're you know supposed to be struggling in part against this individualism, and it's just become way too easy. And so I think that that was really ratcheted up in 2022. And uh, you know, you said you weren't very optimistic. I I'm. <sighs> Neither am I. Like I I don't <laughs> really see how we get out of this unless we move to some new way of relating to one another. And I mean, we're really, we're really going to need to soon. I think, um, especially as, you know, it's one of the biggest news stories this week was this, like this new AI. It's like, God, God, we're going to be eclipsed by, you, you know, the, 
technology that it's going to be better individuals than we could ever hope to be. <laughs> so what are we going to do then? You know, so I, I, I'm not very optimistic, but I, you know, if there's one constant in the world, it's changed. So something's got to change about this. Um, but uh, yeah, that's, that's my 2022. Well, and as you're talking, I was thinking of, a, of a, an argument I had this past week. You know, I, I, I responded to somebody who responded to me and lots of people didn't like the way that I responded to this individual. And rather than engaging with the content, it was all like, fuck you, Nora Loretto. I fucking hate you. Who the fuck do you think you are? You fucking suck. Fuck you. Why are you fucking alive? And all this stuff, right? And it's like, it is, it was exactly like, we don't like you. And, and I, like me personally, like, I mean... I could give a rat's ass who likes me. Like you people don't exist as far as I know. I've never met you. Like this, you know, these are not, these are not comrades of mine. They're like, you know, avatars as far as I know. And, um, but it's an interesting instinct or reaction to say to someone, well, you, you're unlikable as if that's the place for a political conversation. And when I was trying to have the political conversation, it kept on going back to, you know, you need to apologize. What you said was disgusting, blah, blah, blah. And I mean, I, I, I'm not going to say what I said because I don't really want to like rehash this, but I totally stand by it. <laughs> so it's like, you know, I don't know, maybe you can go through my tweets and figure out what I'm, what I'm talking about. But it was very interesting to see these strangers instantly jump to the you are dis- despicable rather than, yeah, let's talk about the politics that were that, that are literally being spoken about here right now. Um, and, and it is because it is set up like that, because, it, you know, especially that some of the politics that we're dealing with are extraordinarily high stakes. Um, and they're, they're high stakes with very little silver lining on any of it actually getting better. So high stakes as in affordability crisis, high stakes as in, you know, people can't pay their rent or they're being evicted. Um, high stakes as in, you know, COVID is, is wreaking health havoc in a whole bunch of different ways that have been foreseen and not foreseen. And it is, it is, it is damaging people. It is making people really sick. It's, it's isolating people, like all that kind of stuff. And we know politicians aren't going to do anything about it. So it's very desperate, right? Like it's a really difficult situation to be in. So I understand why someone would jump uh, instead to like, well, you're despicable rather than, yeah, let's actually have a conversation about some of these issues. Now, the other thing that I was like kind of reflecting on as you were talking was I, I, I had I, I did a talk earlier this year. And uh, when I got off stage, there was a delegate who she 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 jumped over to my table, like which was the table next door. And, you know, the 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 proceedings were going on. So someone's talking from the room, from the room and she had to be very quiet. And she was like pointing at her notebook, pointing, 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 pointing. And I didn't understand what the notebook had said. She just wrote a sentence down that I had said. And she's looking, she's like pointing at it. And I was like, oh, OK, great. That's 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 great. Like you like that sentence. But the sentence wasn't, I mean, profound or anything. And, 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 and she's like, no, no, you don't understand. This is the point where you blew my mind. And I was like, oh, wow. And, and I, I'm going to share what I said that blew this person's mind because it, it very much fits into this conversation. And it is something that I have been thinking about nonstop. And, and Sandy, you and I have talked about this, but I, I haven't mentioned this on the, the podcast. But, you know, we have no understanding of what social media looks like to someone who's not us. Our platforms are so individualized decided by our mm-hmm. region what we like what we what we mm-hmm. buy like the cookie settings on all of the websites that we visit our age uh like what ads we hover over what ads we don't hover over who we comment on who we like blah 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 and and so that creates 
a, a social media feed, and it doesn't matter if we're talking about, uh, you know, whatever. I mean, fa- Facebook and Instagram are going to be are worse because they have similar algorithms. But it's it's the case for for like how we curate our Twitter followers. It's the case for what we watch on TikTok and what we don't watch on t- TikTok. But we are one hundred percent in our own bubble on social media. And this is why it's so easy to manipulate us because it's like we like we assume that like I assume that what I see someone else is seeing because it, I mean it looks the same like we're responding to the same stories we're responding to the same people we're seeing the same controversies and we're engaging in the same ways but everything is hyper tailored to our individual um existence online and that is absolutely deadly to all of us. Mm-hmm. And we have no conceptualization of how to break through those walls. And worse, we actually um, are excited when new kinds of walls are put up, when we have new kinds of individualized content, new kinds of things that help us in our day-to-day tasks. And we get even further inside ourselves. At the same time, we're communicating on a medium that is by and large print-based. So we're thinking and we're typing. And that's that's the communicate, that's the extent of the communication we're having. We're not smelling, we're not tasting, we're not uh, we're not looking often at someone's facial expressions because we're not in the same room as them. There's very rarely sound unless we're watching a video, but videos are curated and they're, and they're, uh, they're not real conversations. They're certainly not two-way conversations. And we're just like wondering why we're all fucked. It's like, that's why. That is why. And so the individualism that you, that you talk about that comes, expresses itself through left-wing organizing, that's where it comes from. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. So much yes to all of that. It's like, you know, and if you think about where the progression is going, like, you can imagine we're already starting to get, you know, the Toronto Star has um, auto generated news stories uh, from that come from like police data. Like, I can imagine in the near future that, you know, news stories will be tailored to what we want to read. So even the same story might look different for Nora than it does for me. I'm sure someone is is developing that because when the goal is to try to keep you to keep clicking, to keep looking and to keep on that website, well, of course, they want to make it individually tailored so that you can continue to, to you know, click on what it is that, that you like. But this was this was a lot of pessimism for a last episode. So I do have another thing that 2022 represents for me. Um, that I think is a little bit more hopeful. Okay, nice. Yeah, so um, labor. Labor in 2022 had a massive year uh, in North America. And I think that the way that we are starting to be less afraid of talking about work is a place where we can start to combat some of this individualism stuff. I think that uh, young people and their excitement around talking about work, around unionization, is really, really important. I think that the energy and courage of people who are taking on some of the largest corporations, Starbucks, Amazon, and uh, trying to do these union drives, I think that is really, really important. I think that the huge groundswell of support that education workers had in Ontario is massively important. I think that these are spaces where 
um, some of this stuff can start to be chipped away. And we just have to not be afraid of it. We have to not be afraid of it. Because I think that, um, you know, when I look at when I look at what happened in Ontario, that could have been, I believe, um, like what happened in Quebec in 2012. It could have taken down a government um, that seemed uh, like like there was no way to take it down, a majority government. The way that uh, people were so supportive of the education workers and so frustrated with um, with what was happening at the government level and how they had been fully exposed. And I think that that, that represents some hopefulness to me, the, um, the organizing, uh, through labor. I have always been really frustrated about the way that we talk about labor. I think like as much as for as long as I can remember in the news, you know, we, we don't often interrogate work. We don't often interrogate, um, the way that, work is managed as one of the central issues of our time. And it is clearly one of the central issues of our time. Like, gosh, we spend so much time working. Um, even the right to not work, the rights that we have to not work have been slowly chipped away um, with, you know, the continued development of technologies that make it easier for uh, our bosses to to demand that we continue to work all the time. And so this sort of uh, energy, this new energy around organizing, uh, around labor, I feel like that's going to be more and more important as, um, you know, the way that work changes um, is being changed so that uh, exploitation is easier, um, grows. And so that's something that gives me hope going into the new year. Mm, Yes, I totally agree. I also have a little bit of hope and it relates to recent victory of disability activists to push back against the liberal government on expanded MAID. Now, I don't know if you've Mm. seen this, Sandy, But, uh, you know, we started 2022 uh, talking about um, expanded MAID. So that's -hmm. medical assistance in dying. Canada has, since 2016, allowed for medical assistance in dying for people whose deaths are reasonably foreseeable. So the most classic example is someone who's at the end of life and who uh, has a, a... a, a, a diagnosis, an illness that is going to kill them and they want to end their lives on their own terms, probably before they lose certain kind of functions. They want to do it in, in a way that, you know, that they can plan. And, you know, so since 2016, that has been that had been the, the regime of medical assistance and dying this year that was expanded. And it was it was like the most significant medical change, healthcare system change at the federal level of a, of a specific policy in like a long time, which after two and a half years or three years, the pandemic is really unbelievable. But it meant that now um, you can request made without having a reasonably foreseeable death. Now, 
This has been something that many disability activists have been fighting against voraciously. And folks will remember our episode on this, which was last probably February, I think, at this point. Um, I remember watching the the debate to pass this uh, legislation and, and and I watched it live with the one of the organizing groups, um, the Disability Filibuster, uh, which was just this amazing online uh, protest that um, that tried to raise awareness and teach people about about what all this meant, what was going on, why would people oppose expanded made, blah, blah, blah. And it was just like this tremendous sadness watching the Liberals and the NDP kind of gleefully even uh, pass this. Now, expanded made, um, what this means is that in Canada, you can seek medical assistance to end your life if you're disabled, but you cannot seek medical assistance to end your life if you're not disabled. We're hearing tons of stories in the news about how poverty is an aggravating factor. People living on provincial uh, income supports are, are not able to pay for rent and food or rent and transit or whatever. And um, that there have been stories of medical professionals suggesting made to people who um, had they had the, the right supports would would choose to continue to live. Now, <laughs> This was supposed to be expanded even further, which would make Canada a head and shoulders above any other nation in the world that has the most liberal approach to having a doctor kill you um, to uh, include people with severe mental illness. And that was just pushed back by David Lametti, uh, the, the the minister of uh, the attorney general. And uh, and I guess they're going to study it further. So it's a very small victory, but it is definitely a victory. And shout out to folks like Gabrielle Peters and Catherine Frazee, who've been doing a, a lot of work on this. Trudeau Lemons as well has been doing a lot of academic thinking on this stuff. And it's just like, it, I mean, if we want to talk about like an issue that is so perfectly encapsulates the individualism issue, it's this. Because every person who's in favor of Expanded Made has only an individualist perspective on why they're in favor of it. If you step back, I mean, okay, you can be individualist and opposed. That's a lot of a lot of folks, especially conservatives, have a very individualist approach to this and they're opposed to made uh, and especially made expansion. But if you step back and you look at the class dynamics of this, that that a rich person can, you know, end their life on their own terms and comfort and after they've tried everything and this is really what they want versus someone who has no money and are it's literally like facing eviction and can't eat and hasn't eaten in five years very well because they can't afford to. I mean, that, that's when this becomes crystal clear that it's a fucking problem. And so I don't know what's going to happen with them pushing this back. Um, but I do have a lot of hope to finally see the liberals lose something. Actually, I'm not sure there's been many other losses. No. And more losses for liberals <laughs> in 2023. <laughs> yes. That, that is a great, that, that would be a great, uh, a great thing to look forward to. Nora, this has been a great year with you. Aww. Lots lots of great things that we talked about. And, you know, for all of you who are listeners, thank you for joining us um, this year. If you've joined us this year, if you've been with us since the beginning, all of you, you know, you really do make this podcast work. And we're so grateful for all of you for being here. And in the next couple of weeks, you're going to hear some some things from us. You're going to, even though we are taking a break, we're going to be playing the three episodes that came out of our Vancouver live show. So you'll have that to look forward to. 
So in the next few weeks, even though we are taking a break, um, you will have some things uh, coming from our podcast to listen to. So we are going to play the three episodes that came out of our Vancouver live show. So you can enjoy that. And is there anything else, Nora? Are we going to be playing any other podcast stuff? Yes. So I think we're off for four weeks. And so three weeks will be that that Vancouver show, which you have to listen to. It was really, really, really good. Um, but that means there's one week uh, with nothing. And so what we're going to do is is air an episode of another podcast that I host that is called 30 Wood. And so look forward to that. It's uh, a conversation. It'll be a conversation with me and L Jones and Lynn Jones, activists, authors, um, amazing folks uh, out in the, on the East Coast. And uh, so look forward to that next week. And then uh, you'll be brought into January in the beautiful warm blanket of the Vancouver Live Show. So thank you all. <laughs> so thank you all so much for joining us. Uh, we love you. Have a safe, healthy, happy holiday season and a beautiful new year. Can't wait to rejoin you. I hope it is relaxing. I hope that you have some people to to take care with and to to you know love up on. Um, and you know, I hope that we can keep you company even if we're not going to be recording uh, each week. Thanks so much for being with us. And see you on the other side of the new year. Mm-hmm.